I am closing this series out for you guys. You've been in a series now for eight weeks. This is week number eight, Got Fruit and uh, Growing in Christ, based out of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And so I'm going to close this, this, I'm closing the, the chapter today, so I'm the last guy. So you've heard a lot of messages so far. Uh, it's great to be a part of a teaching team of eight guys, you know what I mean, rotating through all the locations. And uh, I'm just one of the guys, that's what I always say. And so I'm, I'm going to get down to it, because i got a lot to say today, I think. You guys ready? So, you know, we've been in a series, Got Fruit, and we based that out of the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. And we know that, that the, the flesh wars against the Spirit and a, the Spirit against the flesh, and, and that God wants us to operate in His fruit because in His fruit there's power and there's victory. And most of all, it, we're reflectors of Jesus in that. But that doesn't come easy, right? You know what I mean? Because there's a war that goes on in between, uh, in our soul, if you would. There's a war that goes on in our mind. And uh, I might add that it will always be there, you know what I mean? And some seasons you feel like you've got it down, and some seasons you don't. And uh, just right here, that's right, the pastor, some attitudes I had a couple days ago when I wasn't operating in the fruit of the Spirit. That's right, the pastor wasn't operating in the fruit of the Spirit. I have a confession to make. And, uh, but you know what? Praise God. He convicted me and I repented. I said, Lord, you know, my attitude was not right right there. I sure did not work by your spirit. I was upset. I was a little angry. And so I was really in the flesh. And how many of that happens every now and then? Okay, three of you. That's good. I feel a little more comfortable now. I feel right at home. <laughs> I always use the pulpit to make confessions about myself. No, I'm just kidding. But today, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about faithfulness today. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. And, you know, when we think about faithfulness as being an attribute, attribute of the Spirit or a fruit of the Spirit, we have to ask ourselves the question, body's faithfulness, because the Scriptures declare that. In Psalms chapter 36, verse 5, it says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. And so there we go. We, we see the faithfulness of God right there in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so when you look at those two different words, one of them's in Hebrew and the other one is in Greek, and the Hebrew word for, for faithfulness or, or what it's describing is steadfastness or trustworthiness. So in other words, God is steadfast and God is trustworthy. In the Greek, it means reliable. So God is a trustworthy, steadfast God who is reliable. And that is what faithfulness is. And you can't measure his faithfulness, right? As far as the east is from the west, it's big, it's broad, it's great. And that's what we put our hope, on, hope in. That's what we sing about. And that's what we declare. And there's power in that, declaring who God is. And he's faithful, so we know he's faithful, and so his spirit embodies faithfulness, and as we yield to the spirit of God, we become faithful. And so let me go ahead and give you a definition for faithfulness today for us. Faithfulness is the quality of being faithful, trustworthy, and reliable to God. And so this is what we're asking ourselves today is, Lord, and am I faithful? You know what I mean? Am I faithful, God? And now, if you find yourself somewhere in this message, and I hope you do, because I do with myself, uh, God is not condemning us. Now, I want you to remember this, that there's, there's a difference between condemnation 
and conviction. Condemnation brings shame and brings guilt. Conviction brings life, and conviction is God's love showing us a better way. You with me? And so as God's showing us a better way, let's make sure we're being convicted and not condemned as we get into this message, because, because this, this is, this, is, this is the big deal. In our faithfulness to God, we will reflect his unwavering faithfulness to others. So as we're faithful to him, a byproduct of that is we're going to mirror his faithfulness to others, right? But the, the key is, and, and we don't want to get the cart before the horse, we're, our main goal is to be faithful to Jesus. You with me? And as we're faithful to Jesus, the fruit of that is his spirit being faithful and reflecting his faithfulness to others. Big deal there. Because in him is where we gain our power to actually be able to do this, right? I can't do this without God's power. There's no way. Within myself, it, it's not going to happen. Paul the Apostle talks about that all the time. He said, you know, there's a war within me, and I do the things that I don't want to do, and I'm not doing the things that I want to do. That Paul, Paul the Apostle gives us an antidote. I die, I die daily. He says, I take up my cross and die daily. In other words, I die to my way and I live to your way. And that's the, that's the place where we want to be today. Now, I'm going to be in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm going to be talking to, to you about a guy by the name of Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, Joseph's great-grandfather was a guy named Abraham. And Abraham is known as the father of faith. So it's, it's, it's a good message in the sense of we're talking about faithfulness. We're going to talk about Joseph. And, uh, and through his, his legacy, if you would, faithfulness and the faithfulness of God has been talked about generation after generation. Abraham had a son named Isaac, who was the son of the promise in his old age. And by faith that happened, and by God's faithfulness, he bore Isaac. And Isaac had a son by the name of Jacob, and Jacob struggled with God's faithfulness, and he finally surrendered to God's faithfulness, and God changed his name and gave him a name by the name of Israel because he had walked with God, and God changed him. And then, guess what? Jacob had a son by the name of Joseph. And so Joseph has this story of faithfulness going on in his life, right? You know what I mean? He's a Hebrew kid. And uh, God gave Joseph a dream. And God began to reveal his plan to Joseph in this dream. And as soon as God gave Joseph the dream, the faithfulness of Joseph was tested by him trusting in God. And he had to remain faithful in opposition. So when you think about faithfulness, I want you to think about it in opposition. You know, I might say that every time God says to do something or we believe God gives us a vision to do something, opposition is the next stop. You guys getting excited about that? I said it in the last time I preached at a location, I, I, I think opposition is God being faithful here because I mean, we feel like opposition is, is God being faithful here because I'm experiencing opposition. Did I really hear from God, right? Is that the voice of the Lord? Because there's trouble in my way. And so if it was the voice of the Lord, surely there wouldn't be any trouble. I know you guys are laughing a lot because you face a lot of trouble. <laughs> and this is what happened to Joseph. Let's pick up the story right here in, um, uh, let me see here. Let's pick up a story in, excuse me, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. It says, now Joseph had a dream, and he, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. 
See, they already hated him because this father showed favoritism to him. They had some jealousy working on him already. And then he brings him a dream. And he says this, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves, counted and bowed down to my sheaf. Now, how many, I think his brothers, but his brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dream and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and he told it to his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So immediately here, we see the faithfulness of God in revealing his plan to man. And we see the faithfulness of God revealing his plan to us through Jesus. And we see the faithfulness right there. But how many of you know when God gives you a word and you're rebuked by the people closest to you, you might start questioning that word? There's opposition that happened to Joseph right there in the beginning, and uh, he had a choice to make right there. Am I going to, to hold on to this word that I believe God has given me, or am I going to go ahead and can it and say, I probably didn't hear God? You know what I mean? My brothers hate me already, and they hate me anymore. Even my dad rebuked me, and I'm going to begin to question those things that I think is God or not God. Uh, and, and, and how many of you know that's a part of the walk of faith? The Bible says that we are to fight the good fight, just like Joseph, and it's going to be tested in opposition, and it's not going to be easy. And so we have to remain faithful to God's vision, even when it seems impossible. That's something that we have to have. We have to remain faithful to God's vision, even when it seems impossible. We have to rely on his faithfulness, even when we can't see quite far ahead of us. You know, when we're on this journey in life and we're believing God and we're praying and we're trying to seek the will of God that we'd be able to carry it out, a lot of times we don't see much, we can't see far in front of us. We don't know which way is left or to the right at times. And that's, that's normal. That happens. I think about the prophet in the Old Testament. He, he, he was talking to God and he basically said, I, I don't know which way is up and down and I'm in the dark and I feel like I'm the only one, Lord. I feel, I feel like I'm the only prophet. I feel like I'm the, I'm the only person left. And, and he was in a cave and the, and the word of the Lord came to him and says, no, I got many prophets all over the place. You just can't see that right now, but I'm gonna reveal that to you. So opposition comes and when it comes, we're at a fork in the road and we have to remain faithful in that fork. Now, as we begin to disclose the life of Joseph, we're gonna see many forks in the road for this man. So the first fork was, was immediate opposition to the dream. And, and then the next fork was betrayal. Joseph had to remain faithful in betrayal. See, Joseph's brother, they're like, I mean, you know, that's not good news. <laughs> when you got your own brothers that want to murder you, and they begin to plot and plan to murder Joseph as soon as he had the dream, and they were out, and they were doing their thing, and uh, Joseph's dad, I'm paraphrasing, sent him out to where his brothers were, and as he was coming up there, they, they were like, we're going to kill him, and uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to kill this dreamer, and uh, so, it, man, when somebody wants to murder you that's real close to you, I'd call that betrayal. 
You know what I mean? Especially when it's in your own household. Unfortunately, a lot of times we do things to one another when we're close to them. And this is what was happening to Joseph right there. And his brothers wanted to kill him. But there was a brother in the crowd who said, let's not kill him. Let's, let's, let's just not kill our brother. Let's come up with another plan. And he did. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 26, then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him and then the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him into uh, slavery to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and they took Joseph down to Egypt. And Egypt was really an enemy of God's people. And, and so here we go. This guy has a dream, immediate opposition. Then those closest to him wanted to murder him. And they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. He was betrayed greatly. Some of you have been betrayed before. And the thing about betrayal and the thing about hurt is sometimes when this begins to happen to us as individuals, we start questioning our identity. Now, the Bible says that Joseph was one of, of, of his father's favorites. As a matter of fact, his father gave him what they call a coat of many color, colors, and it, it, was a fi, it was fine linen. It was a nice coat, meaning he, he, he had favor. He had, his, God, he had uh, excuse me, his dead stamp of approval. He had affirmation in his identity, and all of a sudden, he, he, he had just received the greatest betrayal he's ever seen before. And when that happens, when you're hurt deeply by other people, you begin to to question your identity. And then if you're not careful, you'll begin to question if God is really for you anymore because you were hurt so deeply. And then if you're not careful, you might start thinking, I must be cursed. Now, this is a real thing, and this happens to people. I've talked, they start thinking God is cursing me because people are hurting me. And, and I don't know about you, but, but, but Joseph, man, he was, slow, he was sold into slavery. His brothers wanted to kill him, and, and he had a choice to make. He was at another fork in the road toward his greater purpose, even in the darkest betrayals. God can. We don't want to hear that a lot of times. And most of the time, we want to take revenge or other times we want to run. And, and, but we have to remember that it's God's faithfulness that is going to continue to guide us towards his greater purpose, not our greater purpose. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called. This pain, I have an opportunity to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And, and that's what happens to us a lot of times. Uh, in, in our pain, it's, it's a place of brokenness. And the Bible says a broken heart, a, a, broken heart, a contrite, contrite spirit, I've yet to deny. And in our place of brokenness, a lot of times we become a lot more pliable to God if we yield to him. We have a couple choices to make when we're injured. A, we can become hard or B, we can become soft and broken. And if we choose B over A, then we're being conformed to the image of Jesus and his greater purpose will be uh, met in our life. And so faithfulness was tested in this 
God's life. Now, I don't know about you, but it's like, man, I had a dream. My daddy rebuked me. My brothers wanted to kill me. Now I was betrayed. Now I'm in a caravan going to, 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 to slavery. I'm not sure if that dream is real anymore. I probably, it's probably already haunting me in my mind. And I'm probably saying, I wish I wouldn't even said anything. You know what I'm talking about. I wish I wouldn't even have opened my mouth, but I did. And so Joseph goes down to Egypt and he, and he sold as a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was a guy who was a captain of the guard under Pharaoh. And uh, he was, Potiphar basically said, I'll buy this guy. And, and, and he found himself in Potiphar's house way down in Egypt and, and his faithfulness was being tested. As a matter of fact, he had to remain faithful in that place of obscurity. Nobody knew where he was anymore. Nobody knew his name. Nobody knew where he came from. Nobody knew that he was his father's favorite. No, Joseph, is, he probably looks rough. He's in a place where nobody knows where he is but God, and he's being tested at the greatest level. This is the third big blow, by the way. Let's pick up the story. Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had, brought, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Now the Lord was with Joseph and he became success, a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. For Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So here's Joseph finding favor with Potiphar in a place of obscurity. I put here in my notes this, that even in seasons of obscurity and insignificance, our faithfulness to believe that the promotion that Joseph received was not about his power in Potiphar's house, but about him realizing that the Lord was with him. I think it's a promotion when we realize that the Lord is with me, even in a place of obscurity, that the Lord was even with me, even in that betrayal, that the Lord was even with me and he was faithful, even in that opposition. And when God reminds us that he's with us, that he's for us, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, it empowers us right there in that place where we're at in our life. It empowers us to know that he's faithful, that his word is true, that I can rely on it, and I can remain faithful because he is faithful. So in that place of obscurity, God, you know, it gave him favor and it was a promotion, but, but I might add that Joseph knew that the Lord was with him, and so did Potiphar. And, 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 and so if he just had a little bit of a, a faith, just a mustard seed of faith about that dream, he, he, he could hold on to it, but just barely. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we can just barely hold on to the truth and remain faithful. But guess what? That mustard seed of faith is powerful because God can work with just a little bit of faith. He can work just a, with a little bit of faith no matter where you are. And so he had to remain faithful in obscurity. He had to serve God faithfully in all circumstances, regardless of recognition, regardless of status. Remember, he was his father's favorite, but he had to continue to stay faithful to God and operate in his gifts in obscurity, where nobody saw him, where nobody knew who he was, where he was a slave. He had to trust God, and he had to find contentment knowing that his obedience to God matters regardless of visibility. Colossians says it this way, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward because you are serving the Lord Christ. Though he was serving Potiphar, he was serving the Lord in the place of obscurity. Now that's three major blows that this man has taken and he's down there in Potiphar's house and he's doing things right. But old Potiphar, he had a wife that was hanging around the house where Joseph was. And I might say that Potiphar's wife, well, I think she was really good looking. Now, I mean real good looking, everybody. I'm talking Potiphar's wife was a supermodel. Now, if you're married in here today, just reach over to your wife and say, baby, you know you're better than Potiphar's wife. You know. <laughs> and so here's this guy, he's down in Potiphar's house and he's got this beauty walking around. And, and, you know, as I begin to study that, I, I think that after three major blows, even though the Lord was with him, put his mind, he was, he was thrown into a pit. Man, probably was hungry, famished. He got brought in a caravan. Now he got sold to Potiphar's house. I think, I think even though he was, he was holding, and, 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 and when we're tired, when we're tired, and when we're unhealthy mentally and emotionally, and when we're tired, uh, temptation becomes the strongest. Uh, the Bible says that the devil is a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Uh, 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 Proverbs uh, describes sin as uh, uh, sins crouching at your door, waiting to have you, waiting for the moment to, to devour you, waiting for that time when you're just about to tap out where he can just take a piece of you. And I think this is where Joseph was. His faithfulness to God was being tested. He was, he was rejected by his family. He, he, he's in Potiphar's house, and here comes this beauty working on him. Let's pick it up right here in Genesis chapter 39. It says, and after a time, his master's wife cast eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than, you are, than, than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness, and here it is, and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her to be with her. He was faithful through temptation. Faithfulness in temptation is where Joseph found himself. Now, it says that he, she came after him day after day. It wasn't one time. She put a drip campaign on this man. You ever, you ever signed up for those emails? You know what I mean? You put your little email address in there, and then you know, they, got, they got a click funnel site behind the scenes, and you're just boom, 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 boom. Email after email, you open up your Facebook page, and there I am. You know what I mean? You open up your email the next day, here I am. You got that email at 3 in the morning. She had a drip campaign on this man. You know what I'm talking about? She was on him like white on rice, day after day after day, and she was a beauty, everybody. And this man was tired. Come on. And this man's way down in Egypt. And nobody knows where this man is. And nobody knows who this man is. His, his father thought he was murdered. They told his father. The brothers brought back his coat of many colors. They dipped it in blood and his, said, Here's your, is this your sons? And his father said, oh, my God, it's my sons. And he must and is right on him. Day after day after day, whipping him, perpetually being tempted. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you are being perpetually tempted? It's on you, right there where your weakness is. 
boom, 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 boom. And that's where Joseph was. <laughs> oh, man. You talk about tough. You talk about hot. Here he is. He had to remain faithful. And then here's what I put in my notes. In the face of temptation, faithfulness to God brings greater rewards than momentary pleasure. And he had to remind himself of that. We got to remind ourselves. Our faithfulness to God is going to bring greater rewards than momentary pleasure. Right? You ever heard the old saying that sin's going to cost you more than you can pay? It's going to keep you longer than you want to be kept, and it's going to take you further down the road than you want to go. You remember that? Old school preacher saying, we got church people in here. Anyways, it'll bite onto you. It'll put a hook on you. And, 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 and look, God can take the hook off. Look, But I'm telling you right now, when you're tired and when you're unhealthy and that, and that, and that man starts knocking on your Facebook door, come on, you single women in there. You ain't single women. And when that woman starts knocking on that Facebook door and all of a sudden you have a choice to make, hounding you, momentary pleasure, lasts but a moment, promises you everything, and then immediately shame and guilt and pain. Anybody want that? No good. Artificial. But if we remain faithful, we're going to be empowered and it's going to last longer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Basically, run. Man, get out of there. Take off. It's like a picture of a wind sprinter. And I think that's what Joseph did because guess what? He never did lie with this woman, Potiphar's wife. And she had the spell that she was trying to put on him. But he had to face great adversity after this encounter with Potiphar's wife. And he had to remain faithful in adversity. So here he is. He's being tempted. And Potiphar's wife is on him day in, day out, day in, day out. And he decides, I'm not going to do this. Well, she had an obsession going on him. And uh, kind of like that Netflix series, you know what I'm talking about? But it's a lot worse. She was on him. That's where they get all the... I love the Old Testament. That's where all these movies come from anyways. But <laughs> she had obsession on him. And she, it got so bad on this drip campaign she had going on that she started to tear his clothes off, or she tried. And she began to tear his outer garment off, and this man, he's a smooth operator, he went ahead and rolled out of that outer garment and left it in her hand and took off out of that house. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, the high step, you know what I mean? And she's left with his garment, and she is some upset. And guess what she did? She went to her husband and said, she, he raped me. He raped me. I can't believe this. The guy you put in charge, Potiphar, raped me. And so the man had no choice but to throw him in prison. What a great adversity. Here he is again being betrayed, essentially, and framed. Genesis 39 says this, And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. There it is. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of prison. And the keeper of prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. And whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him succeed. So here he is now in prison. This is the fourth major blow. I don't think he was super excited about that dream anymore. 
You know what I mean? I, I mean, even though the Lord might have been with him and he received favor, I don't know. He was a man. I do know that. I don't know what was going on in his mind, but I'm sure he about the dream anymore. But he had to remain faithful in times of adversity because in times of adversity, our unwavering faithfulness to God can lead to his divine intervention. And I believe that's what was happening with Joseph. He, he, God con continued to remind him that I'm with you by giving him favor. It was divine. It was intervention. It was saying, God, God was saying, I'm with you, Joseph. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Look, don't grow weary at well-doing because at one time you're gonna reap a harvest if you don't give up. And that's what we have to be. We, we have to keep going. We, ha we, we, we have to keep moving forward. The Bible says that, that, that when trials and tribulations come, they, 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 they test our faith and produce perseverance in us. And perseverance must have its work in us so that we're complete, lacking nothing. It's the perseverance of the saints. It comes through the power of his spirit. If we don't give up, and that's where Joseph was, he had to remain faithful in adversity and down there in prison, man. Now, the funny story is down here in prison, talking about dreams that Joseph had, there was a couple guys down in the cell, uh, down in the cells with him. One of them was a baker and one of them was a cupbearer and they both worked for Pharaoh and Pharaoh was in charge of Egypt and so he had a cupbearer and he had a baker and both these guys had dreams and they went to Joseph and said, hey, we had a dream and uh, can you interpret it? He's probably thinking, dear God, don't even come. Is this a joke? You know what I mean? But nevertheless, he said, well, God's the interpretive dream. Give me the dream. And uh, so the baker gave him the dream that he had, and the cupbearer gave him the dream that he had. And the baker, he said, well, here's the interpretation of the dream. In a few days, uh, Pharaoh's going to lift you out of uh, prison, and he's going to cut your head off, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And so I think he went back to his cell unhappy that night. I don't know about you. And then the cupbearer said, well, dear God, what about my dream? And he said, well, here's your dream. The Pharaoh's going to bring you up, and then he's going to restore you to your rightful place as a cupbearer. And uh, so Joseph said, there's your interpre interpretation, but please remember me when that happens. I think the baker, who knows, we don't read about it. He might have wanted to try to choke Joseph. He might have rebuked him and said, this is not the word of the Lord. I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, it happened. The baker went up there. They cut his head off. The birds of the air ate his flesh. And then the, the, the I mean, the uh, baker, yeah. And then the cupbearer came up there. And guess what? The Pharaoh brought him back to his rightful place. And he began to serve Pharaoh. And guess what he did? He did not remember Joseph. Remember, Joseph said, remember me when you get to Pharaoh and just let him know about me. And I, I, I'm going to ad lib. I'm going to take up for the cupbearer just for a moment because it doesn't say in the Bible why he didn't do it. But I think after he saw the baker's head get cut off and the birds eating the flesh and that he just got back to his rightful place, I'm sure he didn't say much to Pharaoh other than, you want some more wine? How about a little more bread? You know what I'm talking about? I ain't saying nothing. If I say something, something might happen to me. But anyways... No, nothing, nothing happened uh, for quite some time. And he forgot Joseph right there in prison. And as time went on, guess what happened? Pharaoh began to have some dreams. And it was tormenting him. And he would have these dreams over and over again. And he called all his wise men and he called all his magicians and they couldn't interpret the dream. And his cupbearer, you know, I'm sure he was right there listening to the wise men, you know, giving him some more wine and confession to make. Guys can't get. Finally, he confessed to, to Pharaoh and said, Look, I got a confession to make. He probably thought Pharaoh's doing a little bit better, you know what I mean? Baker's been dead for a little while and he's frustrated about this dream. Maybe this is my time to shine. 
You know what I mean? Timing's everything. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, look, I got a confession to make. I sinned against this guy, a Hebrew guy in prison. He interpreted my dreams, and it came to pass just like he said it would. And you remember that baker you cut his head off? He, he, he said it was going to happen too. And he said, go get the boy. So they went and got Joseph. They drew him up out of prison. They shaved him. They cleaned him up. They threw some oils on him. You know what I mean? He didn't smell anybody. They brought him out there in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh began to tell him his dream. And uh, Joseph said, well, God's got the interpretation of your dream. And, and he said this. Basically, he said there's going to be seven years of famine, and there's going to be seven years of plenty. And Pharaoh said, no, nah, that sounds real good here. And all his wise men said, I like it. I like this guy. This is a good guy. He said, and, and, and I might add, Joseph said, I might add that you, you ought to come up with a strategy because during the seven years of plenty, you ought to, you know, store up grain and store up food and store up all those things and, and get them all in its rightful place because the seven years of famine are coming. And then when the seven years of famine comes, I think you ought to have a strategy. And here's a thought. He said, you know, when everybody runs out of food, they're going to come to you and buy food and you're going to sell them food and take all their money. And the famine is going to be here for seven years. So then they're going to run out. So when they run out of food from their money, they're going to bring you your land. You're going to give them some food. You're going to take all their land. And he said, once they run out of food there, they've already given you your land and they're still hungry or they're going to die. So they're going to sell themselves to you as a slave for Pharaoh if you just keep feeding me. And Pharaoh said, I like that plan. He said, what I would do is I'd appoint somebody in all of Egypt that, to take charge of all that and, and settle that, and then you'll be good. And Pharaoh said, man, that, that's a real good plan. And he said, well, you know what, uh, Joseph? Uh, I think you're going to be the guy to do that. So here this guy is. He had a dream. He, was, uh, he, he had opposition with his parents. He was thrown into a pit. He was betrayed. He found himself in Potiphar's house, a place of obscurity. He was tired and beat up. He, here comes Potiphar's wife. He was faithful in uh, 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 temptation. Then he was uh, framed and he found himself in adversity in prison. And here he is before Pharaoh and says, I'm going to put you in charge. And he said, basically, you're going to be in charge of all of Egypt. You're going to be second in command, and the only person above you is me. Here's a, here's a chain, and here's a ring, basically, for your finger, and everybody's going to bow down to you from here on out, and you're going to execute my plan. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you another name, and you can have anything you want in Egypt. And you know who I started thinking about then when he's riding around in Egypt? Potiphar's wife. She had to bow down to this guy. Yeah, that's a little side note. I thought it was funny. The Lord takes care of things, doesn't he? And so here he is. And so I want you to remember that dream where he said, my brothers are going to bow to, down to me. My, my, my sheath's going to be higher than your sheath. All that. Remember the beginning of the dream? Well, guess who uh, uh, faced famine? His brothers. And his dad said, hey, look, I heard, they all caught word. There's, there's food in Egypt. We're running out of food. There's food in Egypt. His dad gave, gave the brothers some money, basically, and said, go to Egypt. And so they went to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, Joseph was in charge of everything. And guess who came before Joseph and bowed down to buy food? His brothers. And at that very moment, I believe, I, I can only imagine, the, the Bible says that Joseph, when he recognized him, he had to run to the back room because he couldn't hold back the tears. Now, they didn't recognize him because he, you know, he, his name was changed. He was dressed like an Egyptian. He... <laughs> so so you, guys, you got some old people in here, huh? <laughs> 
You know what I mean? So his brothers didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. The Bible says he went to the back room and wept. And I believe it was God all of a sudden showing his faithfulness like ever before and saying, here's the fulfillment of this dream. And in that moment, Joseph had an opportunity for revenge or reconciliation. He could have killed him. He was second in charge. Never questioned. He could cut their heads off right then. But he remained faithful in reconciliation. A big, big deal for us as people. Faithfulness and reconciliation. Let's read. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold to Egypt, in Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest, in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt." Now, this is a powerful thing because we think it's really about Joseph, but it's really about a covenant that God made with Joseph's great-grandfather. And it wasn't about Joseph's rescue. It wasn't about Joseph's dream. It was about God's promise to carry out his covenant through Abraham because out of Abraham eventually came Jesus. And I'm gonna read that promise to you right here. It's not on the screens, but he told Abraham his great grandfather, he said, I will surely bless you. As out of Genesis chapter 22, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars are the heaven and as the sand is on the seashore and your offspring, talking about all the way down to Joseph and many more, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It was the obedience of Abraham. It was the faithfulness of God. It was a covenant that God had made with his great-grandfather. So it wasn't about Joseph. It was about God's plan all along. It was about his sovereignty. And that's what we can't forget is the sovereignty of God as we go through this life. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? You're faithful, Lord. You're faithful. God, I pray over every person in this room right now, God. Every fork in the road that we go to in this lifetime. God, let this story be a reminder. Let let the stories uh, of the patriarchs of faith in the old be a, a reminder Let us run this race with endurance. There's such a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible says. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you bless your people. Say, Lord, you're faithful, and we're going to remain faithful. You know, we're really not Joseph in the story, everybody. We're the brothers. And Joseph, a lot of scholars call him the type and shadow of Christ. And we come to the Lord with our sin hungry, where sin brings famine in our life, but Jesus redeems us from that famine and we're like the brothers and the gospel is so good to us. And some of you 
today is your day of salvation and you've never come before the Lord and today's your day. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. You'll be redeemed from the curse of sin and death, the famine that would try to rob your life. Just surrender to the Lord today. Just say, Lord, I surrender to you. I'm yours. You've paid a price that I couldn't pay. And so I'm yours right now, Lord. And Father, I pray that you strengthen every believer in the room, God, that we would leave here today confident in your faithfulness, unwavering in our commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen.